Welcome. Great to have you guys here today. Can you believe we are one week away from Easter? That is crazy. The Christian Super Bowl is next week. I cannot believe it's here. It's crazy how fast time has gone. Hey, pull out your notes. I want to say a quick hello to everyone at all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars guys real quick. We love you guys. Appreciate you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for being here. You know, we're almost packed in this service here at the broadcast already, and next week is Easter, so we're going to talk about that in a little bit because we're going to use your help with that to, to move some people around and make sure we got enough room. But again, thanks for being here, and uh, thanks for being a part of our services. Let's say our, our mission statement together. Can we do that? We're here to do what? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Again, thanks for, again for being a part of our services today. Today, we're, we're concluding our series on jo- Jehoshaphat, Japhat. Say Japhat. That's his hip-hop name. And so Japhat was the king of Israel that got himself in a mess. Basically, he was attacked on all sides. And if you've been with us, you already know this, that, that he called out to God, admitted he needed God, called everyone together to, to, to pray to God, to ask for, his, for him to, to, to help on their behalf. And the Lord did that. And God does a miracle for them. We're going to talk today about that miracle and how God gave them a plan to execute in their lives for the success of Israel in the same way God wants to give you a winning plan too. So pull out your notes if you would. Today you have two sets of notes to take uh, on how to execute a winning plan. The first set is going to be what you write down for your personal life or for how to execute a winning plan with, with whatever you're going through right now in your life. The second set is, is a set of notes we're going to take as a church on, on the plan we're going to execute for this Easter to make a huge impact and to reach a lot of people for Christ. And so pull out those notes if you would, and let's get started. Let's pick up in the scripture. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army. For the, Lord, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. So he gives them very specific instructions. He says, first of all, don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. I've got some great news for you. You already have everything you need to succeed. The only thing God's trying to really do is say, follow me in, de- in my details and don't get, don't get fearful and don't be discouraged. Because the, the thing that really stops us from what God has for us is not a lack of talent, a lack of ability, a lack of know-how, not knowing the right people or having the money. We think those are the things that stop us, but they're not. What stops us is when we get discouraged and fearful. But if you will stay in faith and be encouraged and keep moving forward, God will come through for you. Isn't that good news to know that you already have everything you need to succeed? God's already equipped you for the battle that you are in now. So what we see them doing here is very simple. Jehaziel is the guy's name that's talking to Jehoshaphat. Remember we talked about him last week, how God raised him up to speak to the king as well as everyone else. Say, hey, here's the plan. Here's what we need to do. And so this is important. If you want a winning plan, number one, would you write this down? The leaders must give clear instructions that everyone follows. If you want to win in anything, you got to give clear instructions that everyone follows. In our military, they give very clear instructions, and everyone knows to follow them. Does that make sense? And so winning teams, the coach gives a clear instruction, calls a play. The team goes out and doesn't decide what they want to do. They look and say, look at the coach, and the coach is doing some kind of you know, symbol or sign to say, this is what we're going to do. And they go out and they do that play. And so they're running the play. It's a clear play. They know exactly what to do. This is important to keep in mind. A clear, simple plan is better than a genius, complicated plan. 
Let me say that again. A clear, simple plan is better than a genius, complicated plan. Keep it simple, stupid. That's one of the best phrases I've ever heard, right? The KISS principle. Keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, silly, whatever you'd like to call it. If you keep it simple, simple works. So I just want to encourage you, to, to when it comes to raising your kids, spell it out. I need you home by this time. I need you to do this, right? And so spell that, make it clear. When it comes to your employees, you know, or, or, or your coworkers, I need you to do this task. Make it very, very simple. I think we overcomplicate things, and then we wonder why things don't get done. We overcomplicate things with our kids. We overcomplicate things uh, at work. We overcomplicate. And listen, I want to encourage you to make it simple. People tell me, oh, pastor, I got to turn my marriage around. I'm going to help you right now. It's real simple. Ready for this? Men, go home, look to your wives and say, hey, honey, what can I do for you today? Whatever she tells you, do it. It works. I've successfully been doing this for over 20 years. I know it works. The reality is, is it's not complicated. It's very simple. I just saved you thousands of dollars from going to a counselor right there, okay? Just serve one another. This is not complicated. You want your career to turn around? All you got to do is go to your boss and say, what do you want me to do today? Then do what they say. Make it simple. If you keep it simple, it really does work. So I want to encourage you to do that. Do not complicate. Make it simple. And then you got to do what? Number two, you got to do your part. So give clear instructions, but then also do your part. Look at 2 Chronicles 20, verse 17. It says, but you will not even need to fight. Take your positions. Would you underline positions? Then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. That's the second time he said that. Don't be fearful. Don't be discouraged. He says, go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to the praise of the Lord with a very loud shout. They got so excited in, 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 in the house, they started shouting, right? It says here that they took their positions. Everyone has been positioned to succeed at what God's calling you to do. So God says to Jehoshaphat, just take your position, just get your king gear on, go get in your chariot, look all nice and pretty and primped up, and go get in position. I got this. Okay, everyone, get, you know, do what you're supposed to do. You're a swordsman, carry your sword. If you're, you know, if you're one of the Levites, that means you're one of the singers, then get ready to sing. Just do your thing. And if you'll do that, I'll come through. It's like next week, I'm not really worried about Easter because I know God's going to come through. God just tells me, you go sit down like you do every week, and I'll give you a message, and you go and you preach it. I'll do everything else. We make it complicated. It's really pretty simple. Just do your part. It's not hard. In fact, let me just make it simple for you. We really want to challenge every campus for every single person just to bring someone next week. So here's what I want you to do. I want to make this real simple for you. I want you to memorize this phrase. It's kind of complicated, but try. Ready? Here, let's try it together. Here, this is what it sounds like. Hey, you want to go to church with me next weekend? <laughs> let's try it. I know it's complicated. I know. Well, I'm going to make it simple. Okay, ready? Hey, want to go to church with me next weekend? You did good. Let's do it one more time. You almost have this down. <laughs> Turn to the person next to you and say, Hey, you want to go to church with me next weekend? Good job. Give yourself a hand. Man, you, you got this. You can do this. See? But see, some people are like, oh, but I don't have a theology degree, and I haven't been to seminary, and what if they ask me questions? If they ask you questions, you don't know. Here's what you do. You say, I don't know. <laughs> do you want to go to church with me this weekend? <laughs> see how that works? That's what you say. And listen, when I don't know, I do the same thing you do. I go back and I Google it. I'm the same way you, you are. I mean, I, 
The, the bottom line is, is, is don't, don't be intimidated thinking, oh, I, I'm so scared if I invite them to church, what are they going to do? They're not going to kill you if you invite them to church, at least not in this country. And so the reality is we don't need to be afraid to just say, hey, come to church with me. This is not complicated. Don't, don't overcomplicate. Don't think, oh, I have to teach them the four spiritual laws and this and that and I have to know all this. kind. No, 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 no. Listen, I, I don't mean this arrogant. Please, please hear my heart when I say this, but here's how it works. I have the words. You have the influence. So if you'll bring them, I'll say the words. Is that cool? It's pretty simple, right? That means you do your position, your position next to someone at your work, at your home, where you work out, and I'll do my position, which is to teach about Jesus. And so can we do that? Let's make a deal. Let's shake on it. Would you just extend your hand right now across all campus? Let's shake right now. Got it. You do your part. I'll do mine. Good job. It's real simple. You bring them. Hey, want to come to church with me? Yeah. Okay, cool. And then, and then you can really complicate things and say, I'll pick you up at such and such time. <laughs> and pick them up. Because the best way to guarantee that for them to get here is for you to pick them up. And just bring them. People say, man, I wish our church had a bus ministry. We do. It's all your individual cars. <laughs> it's a lot more reasonable that way financially, I'm telling you. So if you have an empty seat in your car, then you have an opportunity. Pick someone up. You say, oh, man, I'm not good at this. Listen, I, I want to tell you, I'm going to give you a little secret weapon. The greatest evangelists in the world are 10-year-olds. Go ask your kid to bring their friends, and they will. And they'll pack your car up with smelly 10-year-olds like you wouldn't believe <laughs> and just bring them to church. And so I encourage you, to, it's a great way to reach out. But don't make it complicated. When I first moved to Corpus Christi, Texas, I didn't know a single person in this town. My wife and I and our six-week-year-old six baby, six-week-old, excuse me, baby at the time, showed up here. We rented an apartment. Our only prerequisite for an apartment was, well, they let us have it, you know, because <laughs> we, we didn't have any money. And so... You know, somehow we squeezed in this apartment, and I just wanted it to be cheap and safe, you know, that great combination. And so we moved into this apartment complex, and I began to go door-to-door -door, uh, in neighborhoods, just inviting people to come be a part of a Bible study that was going to turn into church. Of course, everyone looked, at me, everyone looked at me like I was crazy or weird, like I was some kind of cult leader, you know, because we didn't have a church building or a budget, or we didn't have a church name yet. I mean, I was just trying to get anyone to show up, right? And so I kept walking out, you know, and going to my car and driving through these neighborhoods, and I would just go neighborhood by neighborhood, door to door to door. For weeks I did this, and I'd come home, and I was exhausted. It was like August. I mean, walking door to door in August, right? I mean, I'm dripping, sweating, you know. I come back, and I'm like, oh, Lord, I just can't find anyone else. You'd come to this Bible study so we could start a church. Lord, I thought you called me here. And I would walk by, and every, every day on the way home, I would walk by this apartment that was next to us because it was a big complex, and I would smell this cigar. There was a guy that would always sit on his porch, and smoke cigars every evening. And so I was walking by, and he was like, hey. I was like, hey, what's up? And I just keep on walking, you know. And every night this happened, I was just like, Lord, I just, I can't find anyone that will come. I just, I don't know anyone here. It's just so hard. And I was like, hey, hey. And I keep walking. <laughs> God, I just wish you'd put someone in my path. I wish you'd show me. Hey, what's up? Hey. I wish you'd show me. <laughs> so finally I saw him. I was like, Hey, what are, you, are you new in town? Or what? He goes, yeah, we just moved here. I was like, oh, okay. He goes, well, why are you here? Where, where do you work? I go, well, I'm, I'm starting a church. He's like, like from scratch? I was like, yeah, pretty much. And he was like, oh, that's cool. He goes, you know, I'm a Christian. I was like, oh, really? He goes, yeah, we don't have a church home. I was like, really? We'll see you later. So, no, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I said, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, tell me about your church. I began to tell, me, tell him about it. And he goes, we had a church home in San Antonio, but we're new here. We don't have a place. Say what, when you get that thing up and going, let me know. I'll come check it out. That guy's name was Rome Gregorio. Rome and Milan Gregorio were two apartments down from us. 
They became faithful members of our church for over 10 years before they finally moved to Austin. They were a huge part of this place. God, God had positioned them and God had positioned me for us to meet each other, to connect with one another. God already has positioned you with the people you're supposed to bring. We keep going way out of our way to find someone. And God's saying, what about the person in the cubicle next to you? What about the person you work out with, that you carpool with? What about the person that you do Little League with? What about, you know, your neighbors? What about your family member? You know, just, you're already positioned to reach someone. He's already positioned you. One of our pastors on staff used to be a coach. Uh, his name's Pastor Rusty Mason. He's a very successful coach. In fact, he was trained under Mike Leach at Texas Tech as far as in the air raid offense. The air raid offense, for those of you who don't know, is a fast-paced West Coast offense to where they just attack you constantly. Every 15 seconds to run a play. And that's what he ran. And so we're about to line up two plays in a row, Easter and the next weekend, and just do an air raid, bam, bam, really fast in reaching people. Check out this video. Hello, my name is Rusty Mason, campus pastor at Church Unlimited Padre Island. Before transitioning to ministry, I spent 20 years as a football coach. You know, as a football coach, we use a playbook. In life, we have the Bible, and there are a tremendous amount of parallels between the two. Like any great football coach, the Lord being the master coach has a game plan. He has a battle plan. His game plan is set out in Acts 1-8. Now, Acts 1-8 talks about making disciples. It talks about being a witness for the Lord. We do this in two ways. Number one, we need to have an intentional plan for invites. That's bringing our friends and our family to attend a service. Secondly, we need to have an intentional plan for sharing our faith, maybe with someone we don't even know. You know, the Lord's playbook is pretty simple, but his tempo is fast and the season is now. His X's and O's are all about the loss, which is our mission, to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. Let's do our part by running his play by having a real passion and motivation for sharing the Lord with someone while we're on his team, the winning team. Now this Easter is our Super Bowl, and just like on any good team, we all have specific roles to play. What we're gonna do right now is send it right back to our campus pastors to tell you what your specific role is this Easter. All right, so here's the plan. You guys ready? So right now, all campuses have gone off video, and all the campus pastors are getting up at their campus and explaining what they're going to do, the play they're running at their campus. So let's now talk about what we're going to do here at this campus. Is that cool? All right, so grab your notes. Here are the steps we're going to take to reach people for Christ. Number one, invite four people from four different families to church this weekend. Invite four people, maybe a friend, maybe a coworker, a neighbor, a family member, and bring one or all, obviously, to church this weekend. Invite four people, though. Your chances go up if you invite more than one person. You say, oh, I invite one person. They said no, and then invite three more. One of them will say yes, okay? And so invite four different people. The second thing we're going to do is on the way out at all of our campuses, uh, as you exit today, you're going to be given these little egg cards. Number two, we are going to egg people all over the community all week. That doesn't mean we're actually going to throw eggs at them. Please do not do that. We're going to give this egg card away, and it says everyone giving generously. But don't just give it to someone. Give it while you're being generous. So here's what I recommend you do. Keep it in your car. Next time you're in line at Starbucks or you're you know, in line at the Whataburger or you know, McDonald's or wherever you like to eat, when you pay for your meal, say, I'd like to pay for the meal of the person behind me or the two people behind me, and, and would you please give them this and hand them the egg card, and then they'll give it to them. Does that make sense? So be generous. Or maybe you're at a, at a restaurant, and don't give this egg instead of a tip. Don't you dare be cheap like that. No. <laughs> 
You be generous and leave the egg card. In fact, I recommend 25% of the gross if you're going to do it. Okay, that's a generous tip. Okay, 25% then leave one of the cards and say, I'd like to invite you to come to church with me. Or maybe you, you, you instead take these cards, get with your kids and make cookies at home, bag them up, three or four cookies in a little baggie and put one, one little card in them, take them to all the neighbors. Or, I mean, there's a lot of things you Ladies, you're, many of you are going to get your nails done for Easter. And so well, probably all of you are going to do that. And so if you're going to do that, take this with you. Why don't you pay for someone else, some other lady's nails? Dude, that's expensive. Right, giving generously. And so go ahead and just do that. Say, I'd like to pay for your pedicure, your manicure, and just do that. And so, you know, it'll be a big game changer. So I'll encourage you to egg the city with us this week. Number three, pray at your campus prayer meeting. Ours is Thursday night, 7 p.m. right here. We'd love to have you here for that. You may say, I've never prayed before. I'm uncomfortable with that. Just show up. We'll show you what to do. We're not going to freak you out. It's very simple. We'll guide you through it. And number four, bring at least one family to Easter and bring one family back to the Escape Artist series starting after Easter. So we have Easter, and then a new series after that is called The Escape Artist. In fact, the first week of The Escape Artist, I will attempt on this stage, I will attempt to escape a regulation straitjacket on this platform, first week of The Escape Artist. You do not want to miss this series. We're talking about escaping problems in your life, escaping the situation that's got you caught, that you're caught in right now. And so don't miss that series as well. And here's the last thing I want to say. We need many people to move from this hour to Saturday nights. We're actually adding a second Saturday night service. We're moving it from 6 o'clock to now a 5 and a 6.30. I need right now 200 people out of this room to stand to their feet and say, Pastor, I'll move to Saturday night for the next six to eight weeks. Would you do that? Would you stand your feet right now? Would you help us run this play? Because we need to make room in this service. So if you'll do that, would you stand your feet? Give these people a hand right now. We need you. Come on, we need more. We need more. We need 200. Come on. Come on, we need more of you to do it for the next six weeks. Six weeks can you do this? Come on. Come on, guys. We need some more of you. I'm, I'm holding you accountable, guys. We're running a play. We got to make room for lost people to come into the service. Come on, we need some more people. We need some more people, guys. We need some more people. I'm holding you accountable. Give these people a hand right now. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. You may be seated. And so what you're doing is you're making room in this service because we need people to move to the, to the other service times. So in our packed services, it's not so packed so new people can come in. Okay, right now, I know all of our other campuses are back with us now as well. You have a play to run. Your campus pastor, who is your coach, has explained to you the X and O's of how you're going to reach your community for Christ. I want to challenge you to follow through on that plan, invite and bring someone this weekend. We can do this, right? Can we do this? All of our campuses are getting excited. It's Easter. Let's bring people. It's going to be good. I want to challenge you again. Be here Bring someone with you as well. We're super, super excited about that. In fact, the early services at all of our campuses, if you can go to the earlier services, that's better for us because it makes room in the primary hours that visitors come, which is 10 and 1130. And so those are the hours that we get all the visitors. And so if all these seats are already full, we're in trouble then. We've got to get a majority of you on Easter especially to move to another earlier hour to make room for the primary visitor hours, which are 10 and 1130. Okay, number three, check out Second Chronicles 20, verse 20. Since early the next morning, the army of Judah went out. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. Notice how belief always comes before success. You've got to believe, and then you succeed. You don't succeed, then you believe. No, it doesn't work like that. You've got to believe, then you succeed. It says, then he did what? He appointed singers who walked ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. They began to attack each other. 
So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. God did it. God told them, if you will just take your positions and just march up where I tell you to march, I'll fight your battle for you. He literally fought the battle for them. They all killed each other, and they just sat and watched. They're like, we didn't have to do anything. We didn't have to lift one sword. We didn't have to get in one. I mean, no one got punched. No one got hit. Nothing was, you know, in our, in, in our vernacular today, we say not even a, a bullet was fired. This is incredible. God gave them victory, and God will give you victory too. Here's how that works. Number three, act in faith and watch God move on your behalf. Act in faith. Do your part, right? Act in faith. You say, I really need my friend or my family member to get saved. Well, you're not the one that saves them, but you can act in faith and invite them to church, and then God can save them. Just do your part. If you'll act in faith and do your part, God will do his part. But do not pray, oh, Lord, help me to pass the exam. God's going to say, I'll help you. Would you study? Oh, I didn't know I had to do that. Right. Oh, Lord, help me lose weight. God's like, that's great. Can you put down the cheeseburger, please? In other words, you've got to work with God here. Give God something to work with. You need to do your part, then God will do his part. If you do what only you can do, God will do what only he can do. And so his miracle awaits your obedience. Let me say that again. His miracle awaits your obedience. You do your part, then God will do his part. But no plan works unless you do. Let me say that again. No plan works unless you do. So you got to do your part. God does not reward laziness, and he doesn't reward good intentions. He rewards faith that leads to action. So act in faith, step out in faith, and then God will do what only he can do. you got to give God something to bless. And when you do that, he will bless it. So he's looking for you to take action, act in faith today. Maybe there's something in your life that God's saying it's time for you to act in faith in this or that area. I want to challenge you to do that. Verse 25 says, King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. Say plunder. That means stuff. Lots of stuff. Money, valuables, clothing, you name it, right? It says that they gathered the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables more than they could carry. They're like, dude, there's an iPad here, and check out this MacBook, and man, there's this flat screen TV, and right, just all kinds of stuff, right? There, there, there's, you know, like, there, there's like AR-15s, you know, like all the weaponry they need. They're like, oh, we, got, we have all their weapons now, and we've got their camels, and we've got their clothes, and their food, and everything. So they got all this stuff, right? It says more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took three days just to collect it all. It took longer to gather the stuff than it did to fight the battle. Think about that. They didn't have to fight the battle. They just had to gather, gather the stuff. It says on the fourth day they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, which God has named that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. Then they returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat leading them, overjoyed that the Lord had given them victory over their armies, uh, over their enemies. Excuse me. Number four, follow the Lord and he will always provide. Follow the Lord who will always survive. Right now, as a church, we're spending a lot more money than normal because of all the advertising we're doing. We're just stepping out in faith. We also felt led to, to get all these church plants started. So we just sent a huge chunk of money to a bunch of church planters, basically missionaries, home missionaries, and international missionaries starting churches all around the world. And so you say, well, Pastor, isn't the timing kind of bad to do that at the same time as Easter? The timing is when God tells us and God told us, so we're just going to do it. And I believe God will provide. And so time and again, God always provides for us. But listen, maybe you're in a, in a, in a tight spot financially right now. Here's how, here's how this works, okay? If I'm a wide receiver on a football team and the coach called a play, I don't get the ball before I run the route. That's called a running back. The wide receiver runs the route. 
by faith, he runs his route, right? And, and by the way, when you run a route, the first thing you do, as soon as, as soon as you leave, the first thing you face is someone hitting you, right? You need to know the moment you begin to obey God, bam, wow, I'm just trying to honor the Lord and I get hit. Yep, it's because there's an enemy going, uh-uh, I don't like you in my territory. Catch that? Take the hit, keep running. So keep running your route. So you run your route, and when you do that by faith, God will hit you with the resources when you need it. Quit waiting to have the resources before you obey God. Obey God because the resources are always in the enemy's territory. He throws the resources to your obedience, not to where you're still thinking about it. So God's not going to fund you now, like, here's the money, do everything. No, you go do it, and in the doing is the money. In the doing is the plunder. In the doing is the resources. In the doing is the connections. And so just go do what God told you to do. He will provide. He's waiting on your faith to step out in faith, because God always sends the resources to where you're going, not to where you are. And he will provide for you. Speaking of that, I want to read a quick story. This is such, such a powerful story. This came by way of email. Since our testimony in the miracle of tithing, my husband and I learned so much from Pastor Bill about tithing and offerings and have recently increased our weekly giving amount. We give cheerfully and faithfully always. On my husband's way home yesterday, he made his usual daily call to me and he shared some not so good news. He said that his company had lost one of their biggest clients and staff cuts would come next. He said that he was staying in faith and wasn't going to worry and he didn't want me to worry either because he knew that God would provide as he already had so many times before. The second I hung up, I felt compelled to tithe. Who does this, right? We're about to lose our job. Oh, I should give more to God. That's what she says. says I felt compelled to tithe. With phone in hand, I hit 45777, knowing this would slightly deplete the balance of my account, which happened to be the amount of my first payment on my new car. Even though it wasn't a lot, I knew I could make the amount up in a few days and it was the right thing to do. I prayed that all would be fine. Shortly after I got home, my husband went and checked the mail, as he usually does, because I always say, why check it? Nothing good ever comes in the mail, right? But yesterday in the mail was a totally unexpected, unknown refund check in the amount of $1,298 for the cancellation of a service agreement on the car I traded in one month prior. This amount should have been applied to the new car as a down payment. I quickly checked over my contract and realized that in all the hustle and excitement of the new car buying experience, they missed it and were now refunding the money to us. Wow, if staff cuts really do come into the picture, God has worked a mini miracle in our lives once again. God provides. Isn't that cool? Amazing. He simply provides. I remember when I was 16 years old, I had a little get-together at my house with some friends. It was a bunch of, my, my buddies were a bunch of more Christians, and so we had a little Christian club at my high school, and we were having a little get-together at my house, and, and uh, someone had invited a friend, a guy named Miles. I, I didn't know him, but he came, and I just met him real quick. I was like, hey, I'm Bill. Hi, I'm Miles. Nice to meet you. And uh, he was 15, and uh, we just started talking a little bit, and he was there with some other people, and, and uh, we started talking about Christ, and, and he eventually asked one of us, like, what are you, what are you talking about? I don't, I, don't, I don't know what you mean. I was like, well, you, have you ever heard of Jesus? I've like heard of him, but I don't know why I should care. So I just took a moment just to explain to him about Christ and, and how you can receive Christ. And I said, do you, would that be something you'd be interested in doing? He was like, yeah, I, I didn't even know I needed him. But I, I realized, I mean, after what you just told me, that, yeah, I need Jesus. So I said, we can pray right here. I mean, I, guys, I wasn't a pastor. I was a 16-year-old. You know, my, my, my father wasn't a pastor. We we're just Christians. I said, well, we can pray right now, and, and you can receive Christ if you want. He's like, okay. So right there, we just sitting on our couch. We just bowed our heads, and we prayed, and Miles received Christ. 
years later, you know, oh, by the way, the next year, so I go off to, I go off to college. I guess I was 17 and he was 16. I go off to college and um, he takes over that little Christian club and it just explodes and grows. And apparently the key to ministry growing is for me to leave it. But anyways, <laughs> it just exploded with growth. And it was so neat to see because this guy who's a big-time football player, he invited he like half the football team. I'm not kidding, like half the football team Miles had brought to church and brought to the Lord because it was one salvation. Years had passed. I'd kind of forgotten about him. Honestly, I just got busy and with life, went off to college, got married, moved on. He did the same thing. I get a call maybe six or seven years ago. Hey, I was like, hi, because this is Miles Rodeo. I was like, oh my gosh, Miles, what are you doing now, man? You know, so we catch up on the phone. And I was like, this is so crazy. You call me. Go, I called so and so and so and so, and they had your phone number. So I went to go. So we started talking. And I was like, man, thanks for calling. He goes, well, there's a reason I called. I was like, oh, what's your reason? He goes, well, today is my spiritual birthday. It was 20 something years ago that I received Christ sitting on your couch in your parents' house, in your home. And I called. I was talking to my wife about it coming up. And she said, you need to hunt that guy down and thank him. So I'm calling to thank you. You know, every year, I forget when it is most of the time, but I get a call from Miles. He's like, hey. And I'm like, I know. It's a year again, isn't it? He goes, yep. Just wanted to call and thank you again. You know, Miles is now a pastor in Tacoma, Washington, reaching hundreds of people for Christ. Isn't that crazy? It's just so cool. That's just how God works. You know, I'd say that because... My prayer is that one day, because of what you do this week, this Easter, that someone a year from now or two years from now or three years from now says, hey, I wanted to thank you for bringing me to Easter last, last year because now I've been a Christian for a year. And then three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. And, and, and what's really cool, 30, 40, 50 years from now, when many of us are not even here anymore, we're in heaven, they're still going to find you. Say, hey, it's that day again. Let's celebrate. Let's go hang out. Let's go by the you know, the heavenly uh, Whataburger, and let's, <laughs> I'm sure they're up there, and, and let's celebrate the fact that you took the time to tell me about Jesus. Let me ask you a question, church. What kind of church are we going to be? Are we going to be a country club church where we feel like we're already in this exclusive club and no one else gets to get in? Are we going to tell the world, go to hell? Or are we going to be the kind of church that says, I got in and I want you to come in too? I want you to know Jesus too. Let's be that kind of church. Let's bow our heads. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We just take a moment to pray today. I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you just in this prayer time. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can receive him. We're going to pray this simple prayer, and you can ask Christ to come into your heart. Obviously, it's a big deal to us if we take all this time just to prepare for next week as we bring many, many people by the thousands to Christ but we don't want to miss this opportunity to bring you to Christ. You see, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay the price for your sins and for mine. Then Jesus proved that he was God by dying and raising again to life. Now Jesus waits for you to individually receive him. You can pray and receive Christ right now by praying this very simple prayer. We're going to pray it out loud together across all of our campuses. Would you pray this prayer with me? You can say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. You paid the price for my sins, and you rose again. I repent of my sins. I make you my Lord and my Savior. Come in my heart. I will follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.